0: And welcome back to InfraDig, the podcast series powered by IJ Global Infrastructure Journal. Today I have with me a very interesting guest who is long established in the renewable energy space and I'm pretty confident is well known to a good number of regular listeners. Let me make my introductions. Me, I'm Angus Leslie Melville and I'm Editorial Director of IJ Global. I have with me Lars Lars Karlström former chair of British Volt and now the founder and chief executive of Italvolt and State Volt. Now these companies are focused on developing two new battery plants, a 45 gigawatt-hour gigafactory in Italy and a 54 gigawatt-hour gigafactory in California. I won't say much more about that, as I have a funny feeling that you're going to tell us all we need to know about that in a moment, Lars. In fact, let's just get stuck into today's podcast. Lars, welcome to InfraDig.
1: Thank you so much. We are very happy to be here today, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be an interesting discussion together with you here and give you a better view on on gigafactory space and, mm-hmm. and where we're heading, and uh, as this is a uh, quickly evolving Business currently, and it's a very new industry, also, so which very few are really know what we actually are doing. Mm. And well, let's just stick with you for a second
0: because I was, I was very light on my description of you. So, uh, bearing in mind brevity, it's an art form. Um, please be artistic and tell us about yourself.
1: Yes. I, well, I'm an entrepreneur since more than 30 years back, mm. and I spent 10 years in the automotive space also. and. Um, Mostly being also in the real estate investment space, and uh, but also was the first mover when we established uh, weed on Demand back back in 1999. Had the same service as Netflix are today. But 1999 Mm -hmm. we didn't have much broadband, so it's uh, Mm -hmm. that unfortunately failed. But we were well perceived at the time and were first movers. It was very exciting days. But since uh, 2019, I've been uh, involving myself as I have a very Strong uh, engagement in job creation, and I see this Gigafactory as a huge uh, and important step towards job creation and changing. The environment for 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 jobs in areas where today are in decline. Mm. So that's my narrative, and why, why I'm really doing this is mm. actually because I, I love this this idea of job creation.
0: Mm. Fantastic. Okay, um, that's that's fantastic. Uh, b- before we get stuck into it proper, as well, you described yourself. Now, for for the benefit of those listeners who are perhaps a little bit uh, lower down the learning curve, can you run through? What is a gigafactory, how do they work, and how do they make an income?
1: Well, a gigafactory is a factory who produces basically battery cells, and uh, uh, there are a number of chemistries involved, and uh, uh, this factory, in our case, uh, we are targeting EV uh, EV, EV uh, industry uh, as automotive industry uh, it can also be storage batteries it can be a number of applications of batteries we're going to see more in the future but what currently drives the market today is EV batteries and the need for batteries for EV cars and our a factory can produce battery cells for around 550,000 cars yearly. Uh, In the market in Europe we produce 12.2 million cars. Uh, So you need a lot of these factories to support the the automotive industry with with batteries or battery cells. We are not doing the complete battery pack, we're doing the cells only and the automotive manufacturer most of the times are producing the battery packs themselves which should, should be suitable for their, their platform in the specific car they are intending to build. Uh, the factory has to be very big, uh, as it's uh, quite low margin in this uh, industry. So you need to have uh, a huge factory. And in our case, it's more than 300,000 square meter footprint, which brings us to one of the largest foot pr- footprints in the world. And uh, it's highly advanced and very difficult to engineer in a proper way. So And very few know how to do this properly and also if you're going to future proof this factory which is a uh, highly highly difficult and, and complicated you need to have a skilled engineering team who can foresee also the future technology because the capex of these factories are extremely high in our case it's 3.5 billion euros which is uh, more money than we can ever imagine, so it's a bit hard even to to understand. So therefore, it's is a, a lot of money involved, and you need to be very careful with what you're doing and uh, to understand and not put in investors' money at risk or 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 uh, other capital, which is a, a tough mission, especially in an evolving market, which are are moving very, very fast and the technology is changing while we speak. So it's uh, difficult and it's complex.
0: Yes, and you you got me sort of jumping ahead with things. I mean, you're talking about technology risk. Um, That's something that I'm sort of seeing an awful lot of. Uh, I'm seeing hydrogen coming raging forward for the um, automotive industry. Um, People going, well, it's not all about batteries. Does this um, give you sleepless nights at all?
1: Well, uh, put it this way: uh, the battery technology is evolving extremely fast, and there are already technologies that are far ahead. And uh, we are eyeing this very careful. Uh, we are not developing our own technology currently. We are we are collaborating with technology providers, technology companies, to get the latest technology, uh, in, 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 and also make it in, being being in place very swiftly and fast. Uh, so, therefore, we are we are. Initiating joint ventures and licensing of, of uh, future-proof technology, and um, uh, having said that, we can also see that the big problem we have in Europe currently is, uh, well, for sure not the technology. Uh, we are quite skilled when it comes to technology, and and uh, the opportunities are many. But the supply chain is is a disaster in Europe currently, oh, and yes. uh, that's my big concern on in this industry today. How we can take uh, we also have a huge competition. Uh, we see it from European perspective, with America who just yes, fueled 380 billion dollar into the space uh, with the with a, a Inflation Reduction Act. Yes. And this is something which is uh, gonna affect the industry significantly in Europe, as many will will sh- change their operations and and eventually even move to to America with the with the, with the business.
0: Mm. Okay, but you, you mentioned supply chain issues. We'll come to that later on. I do have a question on that for you. Um, but okay, let, 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 let's, let's move on and talk about your Italian gigafactory, Italvolt. Um, can you tell us a bit about its location, si- size, and any offtake agreements? Essentially, can you please tell me about Italvolt and what drove your decision to set up Stoll in Italy?
1: Yes, that could be a bit strange to understand why you did that. It's because Italy is a very complex and bureaucratic country, uh, which for sure needs to be cured from any perspective uh, when it comes to bureaucracy. But still, though, it's, it's a was a blind spot in Europe uh, where we could see that there were nothing really going on and we have a significant automotive industry in southern Europe uh, for sure Italy even if a lot of it is moving out currently to France but we still are very close to France in Germany and uh, also sees uh, southeast Europe there's a new quite booming Car industry, automotive industry, even over there, which is very close to us, and so from logistic perspective, in geographical location, it's very very interesting, and and also the most important thing why northern Italy is because we have a very skilled workforce there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a number of of, uh, of uh, automotive uh, related companies, but like Stellantis, like Minetti Marelli, they're doing. Massive layoffs due to the transition now, as they are strong in combustion engine matters, and uh, uh, so there that, that means that at least a hundred thousand people will lose their jobs in this area, which also means that we can choose from. Uh, a quite skilled workforce, even if we need to upscale them for this specific business, is still an opportunity for us. And I think we are probably one of the best places in the world when it comes to to uh, to have access to to a skilled workforce. So from that perspective, it's, it's very important. And and also, uh, we're very lucky to be in this, this space due to. to, to of having access to this workforce.
0: Do you, know that? you mentioning bureaucracy in Italy, um, many years ago I went on a press trip to um, St. Petersburg in Russia and um, it was Enel um, that had uh, built a gas-fired uh, a CCGT um, power plant in St. Petersburg just outside it. And eventually I said, why? Why on earth would you come to Russia? You're, you're a long way from home. I said, ah, Italians understand bureaucracy. Russians like bureaucracy. And we know how to work a system like that and like nobody else. <laughs> so they out the Russians with their <laughs> own bureaucracy. Amazing. Um, okay, well, it, that makes perfect sense. Skilled workforce, ideal location for automotive industry for Italy. Now let's take a look at your other project in California, Vault. By the way, I, I think I've worked out your naming stra- strategy there. Um, this one, is, it doesn't make so much sense to me. When I look at your profile, I see a lot of London, Stockholm, and now Turin. It's all European and it all gels. But now you're heading across the pond and t- to the other side of the US, what took you over to the Sunshine State to build a 54 gigawatt hour gigafactory? Why California? Tell us about it.
1: Well, put it this way it's uh, California is probably one of the, the states that are, are uh, most ahead of everyone else in America oh, yes. when it comes to electricity to, to green energy, so it's uh. They are very, very supportive when it comes to this type of of industries. Uh, There are are available investment funds uh, for these type of projects, uh, both private and and also government. Uh, And also the situation where we identify, which I've been fascinated for a very long time, is the Salton Sea, where they're actually extracting lithium from a geothermal process uh, at the actual site that we are now planning to build the factory, uh, which means that we can buy both energy and lithium directly, which brings us to a hyper-local concept. We are now also bringing a lithium refinery over there so we can have everything at site, more or less. So it's a hyper-hyper-local uh, concept that we are launching there together with partners with CTR in this case, and we also bringing in some other additional partners to to close these these gaps in the in the in the supply chain. So it's going to be a very exciting opportunity. And uh, uh, having said that, we have launched this project in April. We had the Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm at site together with us. When we announced this, it was a very exciting opportunity for us, and uh, we have a great collaboration with the Department of Energy, and uh, we can clearly see the opportunities in America, which actually are still behind Europe when it comes to gigafactories electrification, but I mean, with 380 billion being fueled into this space, it's like... Well, what can I say? (laughs) It's a lot of money.
0: It's a lot of money. It is going gangbusters. Um, And yes, uh, California makes perfect sense. Why why is it bigger than the Italian one?
1: Well, firstly, you can see we have a great need in, in, in America also for storage batteries. They have a quite difficult uh, uh, grid, uh, which needs support. And uh, there's a different situation in in America than in Europe when it comes to to storage. And uh, storage is a big thing over there. Uh, They are for sure not that developed when it comes to EV and electrification of cars, but they're coming on very strong. And uh, I think the pros will be longer. They are really, what should I say, well, they are into combustion engines and the big V8s, and it's uh, it's a part of their culture, more or less. So it will take a long time before we are going to see a, a totally free uh, continent out from combustion engines, even if California have announced it for sure. but I mean, America is a lot more than California. So it's uh, it's going to take time. And uh, uh, But still, uh, there are huge opportunities. And also being a first mover there, it's uh, it's uh, also very good. We are the first initiative in, in that part of, of America. And uh, so we have a bit of, a, of, of an advantage uh, if we can maintain the momentum now and move fast enough, as many are now eyeing the, the possibility to establish in America, so so that's the simple reason, and uh, also it's very easy to do business there. It's uh, compared to Europe, it's uh, well it, nothing is a walk in the park when it comes to this, but it's a lot easier. Put it that way. The the energy and the enthusiasm and the support is uh, just fantastic. It kind
0: of feels to me like the early days uh, years back. I used to write about mobile telecoms, sort of turn of the century early early years of the century and um when it came to mobile telecoms uh america lagged the field sorry america the u.s lagged the field and all of a sudden just overnight it was like bang right up to date with the rest of well europe and apac that had gone gangbusters on the mobile telecoms front and overnight they caught up and in many cases overtook so kind of the same scenario with um the-
1: it's, it's the same thing. I mean, this is uh, the biggest thing in a hundred years. So mm. it's it's a new industrialization, and then it's uh, it's um, endless opportunities. Mm. And especially when they're giving it this kind of kickstart, it's uh, a yeah. no-brainer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's indeed. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: Okay, great. Really. Um, let's turn now to the wider industry um, and something you touched on earlier. One of the most important policy discussions in the US and Europe at the moment is... Strengthening critical mineral supply chains and reducing reliance on China. Can you please tell us how might the European and US industry build an EV electric vehicle ecosystem that is not reliant on lithium and other raw materials from China? Further, how is Italvolt going about achieving this goal? And finally, this seems like an awful lot of questions. Um, what should policymakers do to help gigafactory developers and other players in the supply chain create more resilient supply chains?
1: Well, put it this way. we are uh, uh, Today we can see that uh, Asia, or especially China, they have, uh, they're controlling 95% more or less of rare earth minerals to start with. Uh, which is a uh, huge, and the, this is a political issue. It's not more like, more than an industrial issue. It can actually create wars and and disbalance uh, in the world. So it, uh, this is something that, well, both America and, and Europe have uh, have not really followed up on. They've been doing this for twenty years, and they've been taking control of all all this this space around the world. And uh, uh, so we are in a difficult situation when it comes to to. To minerals and also not just that. Also, refi- all the refineries are over in China, so it's uh, so we cannot even um, we cannot even even f- fix that part. But I mean, from that perspective, uh, America a little bit b- better furnished when it comes to to some minerals and some supply chain. Uh, Europe is is a disaster currently when it comes to to the supply chain of minerals. We have nothing to be honest and it's going to take a long time to recover and it's going to need a lot of funds to fix it up and only governments can fix it to be honest i mean the china government uh, have been dealing with this for 20 years and supporting this industry for 20 years And, and and it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of effort to get some kind of balance into this space it's a huge mistake that has to be corrected but it's it's going to be lengthy and painful and costly to fix it up, put it that way. And where Europe currently are, we are we are not seeing this moving in the right direction now, especially when you compare now with what's happening in America. We, we need to, to do a lot more in Europe now. And uh, otherwise, we'll be far behind both America and, uh, and um, Asia uh, in the next year.
0: And is there anything on the policy front that should be done to drive this forward?
1: Uh, yeah i think the only thing that we, we need to have a program first to, for 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 supporting supply chain and uh, and looking into the to the space of mining and how we can fix it up and uh, uh there's a has to be a program for us, a supply chain program uh also i think in terms of financial support for these these industries gigafactories we need to have uh, we need to have um uh, we could have a, a loan guarantee program, for instance, where you guarantee these investments, especially for the building and the factories itself, is a third of the cost for, for the venture. and But it could significantly accelerate these factories' rollout. And, and it will be no risk for the, for the governments to do this because uh, even if, uh, let's say, that our venture in Italy gets a... Uh, a support on on uh, on loan guarantees uh even if we are failing later on and we have a valid technology building engineering the factory in a valid way uh, we will still be able to have someone else who is moving into this factory the day after our exit so it's uh it's not going to be a wasted investment if they need to support the loan guarantee so it's uh i don't see is zero risk, and it will
0: significantly accelerate the rollout of these factories. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, We've got COP27 on at the moment, so this question is particularly um, relevant. Uh, Reducing the environmental impact of EVs through lithium-ion battery recycling. Now, this has been touted as a crucial way to meet and sustain demand for EV batteries. What does this mean in practice? How can raw material waste be extracted from spent batteries and used in new ones? Will they have the same level of effectiveness as new batteries? What are your plans on this front, and how do you see recycling batteries in the wider industry?
1: For sure, we we are planning uh, uh, also recycling in our factory. Uh, Firstly, it's recycling the scrap from our production, uh, where we can digest the the minerals that are being wasted for for battery cells that are not uh, valid, and we can instantly reuse the materials uh, from this process, even if they are still, I would say, also like to point out is these recycling initiatives that are currently going on, they are not fully developed yet, and uh, even what all the announcements say that there will be possible to recover 100% of the battery, we are not really there yet. Uh, but on the other hand, these factories are not yet in operation. So there's still some years more, more to go and to, to refine the technology. So I, I'm sure when we are in production in late 25, early 26, we will be able to, to digest and, and uh, extract all the minerals from, from, the, from the batteries that are, are wasted in our production. Uh, also, uh, there are no batteries to recycle today on the market is not an, until another 10 15 years we're gonna see a significant inflow of, of batteries in uh, in the market uh, where, which can be recycled but they, they can be digested all minerals more or less from them and uh, be reused into new battery manufacturing there are a lot of also new materials new minerals coming on board here in uh, in this space and new technology which reduce some minerals and the need for some minerals so it's uh, well it's a very interesting space to be and even if it's a bit too too exciting from time to time as <laughs> things are changing very rapidly so it's um uh, it's it's exciting time but uh recycling is a very important part and uh, uh to be able to do that is also a good way to to refund these minerals and uh and reduce the need for minerals from from the market today
0: yes no, we touched on it earlier um technology advancements. I, I, I see an awful lot of announcements that are linked to the green agenda, security of supply. And it, it, it does worry me slightly um, that so much faith has been put in unproven technologies. And we, we, we're really, well, we're, we're putting the mortgage on an awful lot of bets where we're going, well, technology is going to improve. And I see announcements every single day. And it is very exciting. But does this technology risk not, you know, does it not worry you?
1: Yes, for sure. We are trying to reduce as much as possible with a with a innovative engineering of the factory. From our perspective, as we are not into the technology space ourselves, and 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 uh, and and developing the battery ourselves, we are into the engineering of the factory itself, which is uh, uh, for sure very risky and very costly. So, therefore, we need to be very skilled and understand what you really are doing, how you are engineering the factory, and, and the, the most critical part is these dry rooms, which are huge and expensive and uh, and uh, also uh, consume a lot of energy. There are new technologies which are reducing the need for these dry rooms and uh, uh, also reducing the, the need for energy. Uh, so here you need to be very open and really uh, uh, flexible uh, how you are designing these factories because it's going to be quite costly if you need to change the technology too soon without having been able to run out the technology and, and digest the income from, from the investment. So it's, uh, it's difficult and it's challenging and for sure sometimes we also see that we maybe can hold back for six, ten months just to to understand where we are heading how to maneuver how to navigate so i think it's also a risk to moving too fast uh, because we're talking of hundreds of millions in 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 differences of costs uh, if you're doing this in the wrong way and there that would be very hard to put the investors money at risk and and making the wrong decision so this is a complicated and very difficult part of this business to, to maneuver in. Mm. How
0: about hydrogen? Do you, do you see that as, um, you must've looked into it because, um, well, it's all I see in the news these days as people going on about hydrogen and I'm increasingly seeing it, I'm increasingly seeing it mentioned, um, in connection with, uh, well, just bog standard cars as a, a, a fuel of the future. Um, do you, do you see that going mainstream?
1: Yeah, I think it, it makes no sense for, for cars, for, for, for normal cars. Tracks possible, yes. They makes that makes a difference, makes it makes a change. And uh, uh also some other applications as well. Uh but I think for, for normal uh normal cars it's it's, it's not Possible, really to to do this is too costly process and uh, also i mean you need to first you need to have the energy to to create this hydrogen and then you need to so i mean you it be double the the the, the cost more or less to 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 fix it up and uh, so a battery has by far more uh, a direct um, uh impact and and it's more efficient mm-hmm. Than a hydrogen solution currently. I mean, technology is moving; it can change. So it's. Uh, but for now, we are where we are now. It's, it's not more efficient with a, with a hydrogen solution than a, than a battery.
0: Battery is the way we go.
1: Currently, yes, and it's also evolving very so, fast. There are, there are a number of extremely interesting battery innovations on the way, and I'm not just saying solid state because everybody talked about solid state for a long time. But I, there, there are things that are happening before solid state is happening which is very very exciting
0: so it is it's a interesting time to be alive in the technology front um yes <laughs> Lars, um <laughs> i think that brings us to a nice point to round off this podcast thank you very much for your time it's been fascinating here fascinating hearing about your gigafactory plans Lars. thank you very much
1: thank you Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and for the
0: listener, as always, you have my heartfelt thanks for joining us. Please feel free to tell everyone you know about it. Uh, share, like, follow, all the good stuff. From my side, I leave you with the sincere hope that you have found this to be anything but in for a dig.